Grace, peace, and mercy be upon you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, thank you for this day. We celebrated your resurrection last Sunday, but here we are today again, and we continue to celebrate this. Help us to understand the things that you did after you came out of the grave and open our minds as you did the apostles on that day. In your name we pray, amen. What more can you say after Easter, right? If you didn't get the resurrection good news last Sunday, you need it again today already? <laughs> yes would be the answer, that's right. Well, along with that, the things that Jesus did and said after he came out of the tomb are just as edifying and fascinating as the things he did and said before he was crucified. To me, at least anyways, the things he did after the resurrection are in a way more fascinating because we're hearing about a man who was dead and is now alive. And he's got the marks of his death on his body to show that he was dead. At the same time, he talks to people, hangs out with them in their homes, eats with them, gets hungry, and so forth. Our text today from John takes place on Easter, the very day Jesus rose from the grave. But something happened before this. That very morning, two of the outer rim disciples, one of them named Cleopas, were walking to a village seven miles from Jerusalem, and Jesus appeared to them on the road. You've heard the account, right? The road to Emmaus. And Jesus says to these guys, hey, what are you all talking about? They reply, what, have you been living under a rock these past few days? In which case, Jesus could have said, well, yeah, as a matter of fact, that went right over there. You know, if indeed the, the, the tomb and the rock were in sight of where they were. But Jesus obliges them and says, tells them, you know, he recounts what had happened with this man named Jesus, whom they had put their hope and their trust in, or the, this, this is what the two men told Jesus, right? They, they told him everything that had happened, and Jesus obliges, hmm, that's very interesting. <laughs> These men had told him that they had hoped that Jesus was the man who would restore the kingdom of David and overthrow the Roman Empire and fulfill the scriptures of Moses and all that. And Jesus gives them this little verbal slap across the face when he says, well, you foolish ones, don't you know the things were supposed to happen to the Christ the way in which they happened? He continues with these men into their village, has a meal with them, opens their minds and reveals himself to them and vanishes from their sight right then and there. The two men are amazed and they walk seven miles back to Jerusalem, which takes about three hours. And by the time they get there, it's, it's evening and they go to the house where the other disciples are and they tell them what happened. The two guys on the road to Emmaus were there when the scene takes place from John that we heard. This Cleopas and the other guy, they got to see Jesus twice that day, that Easter day, in the morning and in the evening. Jesus ate with them, and depending on what Bible study or commentator you read, the part about Jesus asking for something to eat is typically taken in, in two ways. One is to show the disciples that he wasn't a ghost, because apparently ghosts don't eat or something, you know. 
the food would just go out and just, you know, fall on the floor. Two, that because he is a man, he is true man and true God, but because he is true man, he needs food. And this also shows that he is the Christ. Either way, it's proof to those who saw him that he is alive. What else did Jesus do after he came back from death? Well, eight days after Easter, he came back to the disciples' house to visit again. And this time, good old doubting Thomas was there, saw Jesus, and he believed. Christians have singled out Thomas, or actually it was John who singles out Thomas as the one not believing that Jesus had risen from the dead. But Mark says that when the two men came from Emmaus back to Jerusalem to tell the others, the other disciples didn't believe them either. So at least for a little while, on that first day of Easter, all the disciples were like Thomas. They didn't believe. Mark also recounts a scene which indicates that Jesus took the 11 core disciples to the side and scolded them for not having believed those two guys from Emmaus. You know, it was one of those a little... <clears throat> uh, can I talk to you guys in the room next door for a minute? You know, it's one of those moments. They get a little tongue lashing. But that's also when Jesus gives them the great commission to go out into the land to baptize and heal the sick. Matthew recounts the same thing, but before that he recounts that interesting little story about how the chief priests paid their own guards to spread the news around the city that Jesus' followers had taken the body of Jesus away while they were sleeping on the job and just saying that Jesus had rose from the dead. Which is interesting because in those days to be a guard and admit to the public that you'd fallen asleep at your post, that would have been terribly humiliating. So they must have been paid pretty well to endure that kind of embarrassment. And even, well, can you, you know, to, to be a guard and fall asleep on those days, it was punishable by death in some cases, or by severe, you know, punishment. What else happened? Well, nothing from the other gospel writers except John. So we go back to John and hear about the day on the lake at Tiberias in Galilee. The disciples are in a fishing boat, not catching a thing. You know how that feels, don't you? <laughs> Jesus is on the shore, too far away to be recognized, but he yells at them to cast the net on the other side and they'll catch some. You know the rest of the story. They have breakfast together on the beach. Jesus tells Peter to feed his lambs, you know, take care of the brethren and build the church. Then they kind of walk off into the sunrise while having a little chat about who's going to die first and how. <laughs> Charming way to end the accounts of Jesus after his resurrection from the grave. But all this happens on top of the fact that there are also resurrected people walking around in Jerusalem from the moment Jesus died on the cross. What are they saying? Likely they don't know how they came back to life and walked out of their tomb. They just know that they're back. But testify, they testify to the resurrection of Jesus because everybody in the city is hearing about that as well. 
even though some guards are going around telling them that it really didn't happen. Jerusalem must have been a place of mass confusion on Easter and the days following, huh? don't you think? Can you imagine? Some dead people are alive again. Jesus was seen, crucified, dead and buried. And now people are saying he's back. But guards are going around saying, no, no, his friends just took him away. That's, that's all that happened. Some people are actually seeing Jesus in the city and in Galilee. What a time it must have been to be there. Jerusalem is a very confused place today on account of Jesus and Arabs and Jews and the question as to whom the city really belongs to. Jerusalem is the first place where people believed in Jesus Christ because they had seen him raised from death. Also because they had seen others raised from the dead. And because they heard about him being raised and believed the testimony of others. Famous atheist and anti-Christian writer Richard Dawkins says, Thomas required and demanded absolute proof that Jesus was alive. Which is interesting since Dawkins confesses to not believe anything in the Bible is true, so why would he even think Thomas is a thing to be considered? You know, nevertheless, Thomas didn't require absolute proof. He just needed a slap in the face to be reminded of everything Jesus had said. He believed in Jesus. He had been with Jesus during all those days of healing the sick and feeding the poor and teaching the kingdom of God and all of it. To his defense, I guess, it had been a terrible week for the disciples. And Mark has already reported that all of the disciples were in disbelief at first, which is something I don't think we really consider all that much. It's no wonder more of them weren't like Thomas on that first evening of Easter. I imagine how frazzled they were when Jesus suddenly appears in their midst and bids them peace. What Jesus says earlier that morning to Cleopas and that other guy, however, makes everything clear. Everything that had happened, his birth, his baptism, his ministry, his betrayal, his arrest, his suffering, his death and resurrection, is what all the scriptures are about. He's talking about the Hebrew scriptures because the Greek ones about him after his birth hadn't been written yet. But all the writings of Moses... Joshua, David, the prophets all point to Jesus and Jesus fulfills them all in their promises. God in the flesh came to forgive you all your sins and by his wounds you are healed. By his resurrection you are raised to eternal life with him. How confused and frazzled are you? There seems to be plenty to be confused about these days with what people are doing and saying. The direction society is moving and all, you know. It seems to me as progressive as education and public indoctrination and policy is, things, things really seem to be regressing. What about frazzled? Frazzled from the pace of life? Too many doctor's appointments? Too many activities? 
Too much screen time? Well, that probably doesn't frazzle too many. It more, it more like sedates the mind. But from my point of view and my colleagues, church work is frazzling. <laughs> but then the risen Christ appears to us in his word and says, peace be with you. Peace to you. This is a kind of peace that the world can't give. This is a, a divine peace which has the power to calm our frazzled souls. So take it in. Let him be among you in your midst and say, peace to you and believe it. You may not feel it, feel like it, it's peace, but it is there and he gives it. Jesus gave the world a great gift that first Easter night in that house in Jerusalem. He sent his disciples and everyone after them who preached peace and forgiveness from God through his son, peace. Freedom from the fear of sin and hopelessness. Hope and everlasting life and joy is alive because Jesus is alive. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. And may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.